Hey everyone, Josh here. Welcome to the Circling Wizardry podcast. Uh, This is a show about circling and it's made for circling enthusiasts. So if you're new to circling, this might go over your head. But if you're stubborn and you're going to listen anyway, please uh, take a moment to Google what is circling before you continue. Or uh, go to my website, circlingwizardry.com. Click on resources, and under that tab, there is a what is circling page where I've done my best to express my current perspective on the practice. That's uh, the resources tab, circlingwizardry.com. So this is a conversation I had with Josh Levin back in October 2017. Uh, Here is Josh's blurb. Josh has been working with individuals, couples, and groups for the past 25 years in the roles of coach, facilitator, mediator, consultant, and trainer. He is passionate about supporting people in contacting and living from the deepest truth of their being, both personally and professionally. He loves giving people powerful perspectives and tools that reliably boost the effectiveness of their communication and the quality of their relationships. He's been actively teaching and leading in the field of authentic relating and circling for the last eight years. He is a senior course leader at the Integral Center and has been the co-lead trainer of the T3 circling training for the past four years. Josh is also a friend a mentor, a teacher, uh, and an ally, uh, someone for whom I have a lot of love and respect. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. So here we go. So what what I've noticed that I've been doing in the... I think I've done three or four interviews before yours. Um, And what I've noticed I've been doing is I've been starting with, with a certain question... I just want to feel into whether or not I want to ask that question or if I want to ask something else. I think it feels like a good place to start to maybe get the juices flowing. So the, the question that I tend to ask and that I am I am curious, really actually want to know from you is, uh, just to start off, is what is what is your relationship to circling. Hmm. Um, what I'm aware of first is sort of different aspects of my experience light up um, in my sort of in my awareness or my mind's eye. There's a whole historical piece, um, like a timeline of when I got involved and when different things happened and milestones along that historical timeline, which for me goes back seven years mm. at this point. So there's the historical piece. And then, and then what lights up, I think is the place that I've been most engaged with most, with the most parts of me, which is the last three years as I've been, co-leading T3 um, with Jess. We just finished the fourth T3 that we together were the 
the main two mm. teachers. So that's been a huge part of my circling relationship and, and a huge part of my life for the last yeah. three years. Yeah. Yeah. I love, um, I, I am curious about how you got into it, but I think I was more, I was more compelled when you said the place in my life where the most parts of me light up has yeah. to do with what you've been doing these last three years. Yeah. I think my, if, if I had one word from what my relationship to circling is, it would be reverence. Mm. I hold this practice very dearly and it has, it's been a, a concentrated form for me to practice and develop some of the things that are the most important to me. Um, presence, interpersonal communication, um, group process, meditation, um, mediation, mm. um, and, and deep understanding of other people. All of those things were interests and pa passions of mine for many years before I ever heard of circling. And circling was this thing that put all of those together or major aspects of all of those things together in one place, in one form, in one practice. And to me, that felt very powerful and very potent and very, very um, rich. Like so much was available. Mm. So there's reverence. If I went on, there's gratitude, there's enjoyment, there's protectiveness mm. uh, over what I consider the pure form of circling is. Um, and there's, there's this delight that I have been able to support people in their growth through this practice. Um, mostly talking now about T3 students over the last, um, well, three years that I've been one of the co-leads and then all the way back to the end of 2012 when we did the first one in Boulder. Mm. I was on staff starting in that one. Yeah, that was my cohort. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you were T3 number three overall and T3 number one as far as Boulder goes. Yeah. Because there were two in California before Boulder. Yeah. So am I am I answering the question <laughs> in your view? <laughs> you are. You are. I I don't hold that there's a wrong way for you to answer the question. Um I guess for me it's like are do we seem to be in the same territory with the question and the answer? Mm. To me, the question is, it's sort of a probing, I don't know if probing is the right word, but it's a question to kind of maybe elicit, to elicit more material. And, and, and as you answer, you're laying out a terrain, um, which to me are sort of like different doors that we could walk through. Or perhaps yes. you may, you may walk yourself through a door and that may lead somewhere, but I'm, I'm just paying attention to what's arising and, what seems to capture your interest and what captures my interest. Great. Yeah. 
I like that. I'm ready to continue with that guidance. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. The thing, the thing that caught my attention the most was is probably the thing I'm most hesitant to ask about. <laughs> um, maybe not most hesitant, second most hesitant. Um, is you talked about being protective about what you call the the pure form of circling. I think there's a part of me that's that's aware of some of the differing forms and flavors of circling out there and um afraid to uh rock the boat. <laughs> but um I felt I felt a lot of curiosity, a lot of interest in hearing um hearing more about that from you, like what that what that means to you, the pure form of circling and and what what might have you feeling protective. Yeah, I thought I thought you were gonna go there. Uh-huh. Um, so for me, for me, there's two ways of talking about this. What I'm referring to as as pure circling, and there might only be one way. Once I articulate this, but so one of the, one of the things that I mean when I say pure circling is that circling, as we teach it at the Integral Center, is distinctly different from coaching and I can't I I believe that is common among all of the schools of circling I don't actually know where um, the circling Institute has gone with their format I really don't know so I can't comment on that and let me just back up and say, so right now I'm not commenting directly on any other of the schools. I'm just talking about what I've been up to at the Interval Center. Mm-hmm. So so some of the things I say about Interval Circling will probably be fundamentally applicable to the other schools, and I don't know for sure. Yeah. So we have a very rigorous perspective that circling is distinct from coaching that assuming nothing and welcoming everything leads me to engage with somebody in a way that's distinctly different from coaching. And when I say coaching, I mean the kind of coaching that is driven by an agenda, driven by a goal, driven by an idea, a belief that if I'm the circler or if I'm the coach in this case, I can support you to go from where you are to someplace better Mm. that we can improve your experience in some domain of your life and that together we're going to do that. That's our project. So instead of going towards a specific outcome that is supposedly better in some way, which I just want to say, that's not what all coaching does. That's just kind of the stereotypical coaching. You know, I call myself a coach and that's definitely not what I do with, with my clients, but that's like the, the standard model of coaching is get you from where you are to somewhere better. Mm-hmm. And circling is definitely not about that. And even when people get that and they, they're able to let go of advice and they're able to let go of agendas and they're able to let go of thinking that they know anything better or that there is even anything better. Even when they can get all those at a basic level, it still can be really subtle how it starts creeping in. That at some point, 
eyes and circle or have an idea about how to improve things for you. Mm. And then start, I start directing it in that way. Yeah. And the moment that that happens, I would say we are no longer pure. We're no longer purely circling. Um, and that's a, that's a very rigorous thing to hold. And it's something I think for a lot of people to work towards because it really does mean that I'm, I'm not just behaving and speaking in a certain way. It really means that my consciousness is resting in a certain place. And, and that's how I also think about circling as a spiritual practice, which we don't ever officially say in integral circling because it's supposedly supposed to be very um, normalized and accessible to any human being, regardless of their beliefs. So we don't really talk about spirituality. But for me, anything that's able to shift my consciousness and even shift my shift my baseline from something that's personal to something that's more transpersonal, that's what I start calling a spiritual practice. So that's one answer there. Um, so I get protective of circling in its pure form when anybody, when this ball, especially when students or anybody at the interval center who's doing circling, um, when that agenda starts creeping in, that's what I was talking about when I said protective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in relationship to circling Europe or the circling Institute, I don't think I know enough about what they're doing these days to have an opinion that I take seriously of my mm. own. <laughs> mm. There's something about that, uh, that smile that I found really compelling and, um, that I respect as an expression of your, I, I don't know if humility is the right word. I'm sitting across from you and I'm noticing that I'm not quite sure I'm not quite sure where to take it. Mm. I'm not quite sure what to ask. I'm not quite sure what's what's alive for me as I'm with you. Mm. Well, I remember that you said there was one or two things in my initial answer. I thought you said there was a second one that you were also aware of. There was something else that I was hesitant to ask about, but I think that's more of a personal personal thing and less about what the podcast is about. Do you want to at least name it and then we can together decide, <laughs> yeah. decide to not, not open it up? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we can edit this. Um well, I've I've heard through the grapevine that uh, you and Jess split up, and that it was a very difficult experience for you. And um, as a you know, as a friend and as a someone who cares about you, I'm I, I'm curious about that. And yeah, so yeah, Jess and I I met Jess. Um, I guess soon after the Interval Center opened in January 2012. She's actually even before that. So you were both at, um, circling on the corner. Hmm. Is that what you were going to say? I was saying you were both at the initial, the first Aletheia in 2011. Yes. I was on source team and Jess was a participant. Yeah. 
And we'd met earlier before that, though. Robert had been holding informal circling nights at his house for uh, about a year before that, a little over a year. And that's where I met a lot of the initial IC members, community members, as we were we were doing that um, experience together. So anyway, Jess and I were friends for a couple of years. And then after, after I was divorced in January of 2013, um, Jess and I started spending more time together initially as friends, and then it turned romantic. And then we were together for almost four years. And then in March of this year, um, she decided to end the relationship. And even though I knew it was coming, we'd been talking about it for many months. I knew that it was a possibility. And then I knew that it was a likelihood, but the actual experience of it was much harder on me than just thinking about it in advance. Mm. And it, it really um, contributed. It wasn't the sole factor, but it contributed to me feeling pretty destabilized and couple other things happened right around the same time, which was this past May. And the result was that I, I crashed into a really a deep depression state, which I have experienced in my life in the past, but it had been eight years since I'd had that kind of experience. And I was surprised that, it, that I was still able to have it. I thought I had um, sort of resolved the, the factors that, that caused that experience. But yeah. So I went into a deep, a deep, dark experience for 10 weeks. And I missed three of the T3 weekends, three out of the, the nine weekends. And then I uh, returned back to myself and back to my life and showed up for the last three weekends of T3, which Jess and I continued to co-lead. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that was a huge drama that played out over this last T3. Yeah. Mm. I feel, um, I feel tender. <sighs> I feel something around sort of the, the coming back together to, to finish leading the, the training. I don't know what that feeling is I'm, I'm having, <laughs> but there's this like, huh? Oh, <laughs> What's that? What's that like? Like I having I have very little context about you know the state of the relationship and to the degree that you're willing and you know may or may not end up using any of this on the podcast. So I'm just yeah, I'm just gonna follow the energy here. Well, part of it, I feel very triumphant for being able to be on such good terms with her, both at a personal and professional level. Um, we, we probably owe that to our circling practice and the way that it's cultivated our mm. relation, relational intelligence and how we communicated through the whole thing. Uh, um, so it feels like a big success from that perspective. Um, her reasons for wanting to be out of the relationship were very, um, valid and very compelling and persuasive to me. Like, I think it's definitely the right choice on her part to be out of the relationship, given the ways that she identified ultimately that we were not compatible. And, uh, 
she convinced me that she was right. And so mm. there's a way, there's a way at a, at a rational level where I'm in alignment with being broken up. And there's a way that my, my emotional self and, and my, even my existential self was really disoriented with the breakup. But we're on really good terms right now. And we still feel like family and close friends. And, um, mm. That feels wonderful. Yeah. Hmm. I'm really glad. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I really appreciate getting to ask about that and and to see how you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, initially it was like, wow, we're supposed to be experts at communication and relating and were this couple that's together and this, and then, oh shit, we're breaking up. Is that in some way, um, indicative of some kind of failure or a breakdown in our tools Mm. or, or something like that? And I don't think that's true. I don't think the, those questions or those, uh, perspectives are true. I think that the lack of compatibility ultimately that we discovered was completely independent of of our skills. And I think it's, again, it's a testament to authentic relating skills and circling skills that we did such a great breakup. Actually Mm. there's, there's coming together into relationship. There's that huge territory of being in relationship together and all the factors and experiences that people navigate together. And then there's the breaking up of relationships. How do you do, how do we do a conscious ending of a relationship when one or both people have the sense that it's time to move on. And I think there's a, there's a skill set, there's an art form, there's a whole range of capacities to develop for each of those three major stages of a relationship. The start, the, the meat of it, which is the middle and then the, the end, if that happens. Hmm. Yeah, again, I'm really glad about that. I'm just reflecting on. I just uh, split up from the woman who I've been seeing for the last two and a half years. And I think we both did bring a lot of consciousness to it, but um, the breakup process was really kind of drawn out um, with a kind of, kind of like, um, ups and downs and, and, and coming, coming towards and going away. And, um, I ended up being the one to decide that I, I wasn't going to put myself through any more, uh, struggle, um, that it was okay for me to, to let go, that it was okay for me to kind of be past a certain limit. Um, and it was a very difficult decision to make. And, um, it was a very good exercise in, in, um, like learning to really trust, trust myself. Mm-hmm. To practice, um, I suppose you can call it an integral language, practicing honor self. Yeah. Um, but it was very, it's very difficult. And I'm just like, that's still kind of with me. Mm. That might be with me for a while.
Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Oh, thanks. And so it's just it's um it's brought a lot of heaviness to me over the last couple of weeks and and a lot of learning and a lot of processing and, and a lot of good things, but um just you talking about or at least starting to talk about your journey through your through your breakup um is just kind of reminding me of my my longing and um a lot of appreciation for uh for you and Jess and your ability to bring bring so much consciousness and 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 the skillfulness of of everything you've learned yeah yeah i have a lot of gratitude for her I continue to feel impressed with her and really appreciate her being in my life um, before, during, and after our relationship. Yeah. So I want to maybe try and hit the, the restart button on uh, figuratively speaking. I, I'm, I think I'm like what I'm, what I'm seeking. Maybe it's my agenda. Maybe I'm attached. But I still want it. Like what I'm, what I'm, what I'm after is to find um, the aliveness. Is to find uh, where you are alive around circling, um, and that aliveness doesn't necessarily mean buoyant or exuberant. Um, but I think what I'm what I'm, what I am aware of is, um, in both myself and in, in you, it seems there's like a, and this would be understandable, but like a, like a heaviness. I'm wondering if that, that resonates with you, that there's it's been sort of a heaviness in our, in our dialogue. Even, you mean this whole time, even with, even not the relationship piece? Yeah. Huh. I don't think that's true for me. Mm. I don't think I, I don't think I felt heavy about when I was talking about circling or about the relationship breakup, yeah. actually. Hmm. Yeah, I might, I, I might be projecting. Like there's, um, I might just be reading like the tone of your voice as being more, more in the low flat end. Um, there were a few moments where I got like a little bit of a smile from you, a little bit of something. Um, but it's been, it's felt kind of, kind of even keel. Even, even keel fits. Yeah. Yeah. That feels distinctly different than heavy though. Yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> even keel. Yeah, careful, kind of measured, mm. wanting to be accurate, wanting to be clear. Yeah. Um, not having any, not assuming any previous rapport with the listening audience. So I think as I, as I experience more rapport, whether that's in a circle or with a friend or with a student or a client, I think my communication style probably changes as I 
feel more and more rapport yeah. and more permission to do perhaps other un, more unexpected things or a wider range of expression. Yeah. And maybe this is kind of my unconscious pattern of how I, how I begin, how yeah. I begin a relationship. Huh. Careful. The word That's careful cool. stood out to me. Yeah. And cause I'm here with you, but I'm also imagining people listening to this and, and probably people that I don't know. Yeah. Um, what, and you and I go ahead. What you're kind of alluding to it a little bit, but like what matters to you so much that you would consciously or unconsciously find yourself being really careful? I think connection matters to me. I think people understanding things matters to me. I think me, me feeling understood by other people yeah. matters. Um, building, building areas of communication and relating in my life that feel mutually supportive and, and synergistic even in terms of growth and learning and doing it together with people. I love my time alone. I, I crave time alone. And I also crave time with people. It's, they're, they're both there for me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So those, those factors seem like they would, if I'm imagining what kind of person I would be, you know, those factors would kind of add up to being careful in my in my system yeah if i were to imagine what kind of person i would i were to be <laughs> i love that if I, if I were me I'd, I'd probably be using all of those in service <laughs> or 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 aware of all those things and they would be contributing to carefulness yeah yeah one thing I'm, i think i'm getting with you is um like a gentleness like it seems like some of some of it is a carefulness it's like oh i don't i haven't built rapport with this audience it matters to me that i'm understood some of these other things matter to me as well um but as you as you talk more about it what i'm hearing is there seem there seems to be also like you bring a gentleness i think so i hope so and i'm glad to hear that um I do think that's important to me, both with how I treat myself and how I treat other people. I like gentleness a lot. There's a lawnmower now. <laughs> I can hear it, yeah. Can you hear that? Yeah. Is that a sound that can be taken out too? We don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm partly going for the authenticity dimension. <laughs> so. so I feel like I'm 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 kind of maybe, I don't know if I'm tapping for studs or if I'm just meandering here, but um, the question that came to me is so I'm, I'm as I as we get in touch with the the, the carefulness and the and the gentleness, I'm I'm getting a sense of like like remembering that like there's a uniqueness to you, as there would be to anyone, but like there's 
there's a uniqueness to Josh Levin. And what came out of that thought for me is you've been you've been circling for a long time. You've been teaching circling for the last three years uh, as a as a as a course leader, as a as a prime course leader. I'm not sure what the terminology is. Yeah, we we, we the prime course leader for three years is um that's the terminology we use. And yeah, I was a I was a standard course leader for another two years before that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think since I, almost as long as I've known you, you've been an assistant, you were an assistant course leader in my first training. And I remember, um, I can't remember if it was the Aletheia or if it was during the T3, but I noticed that you were in every, almost every circle that Decker would lead. (laughs) That you made a point of, um, Of kind of the this is the wrong word but like weaseling your way in <laughs> totally no, that's a great word yeah when decker was still leading t3 um decker led t3 three four and five so he led the first three in boulder robbie carlton led the fourth one in boulder mm-hmm. and then jess and i have led the last four of them in Boulder. Um, so when Decker was still leading it, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, he, one of the differences in Decker is that sometimes he's less structured and he's less formal and, and he's less sort of rule-based. And so in that environment of T3, um, as an assistant course leader, or as we say in ACL, I was able to find wiggle room to sort of <laughs> do what it took in terms of distributing staff to different circles <laughs> to just more than half of the time find myself in his circle, you know, mm-hmm. because that's where I found myself learning the most. And so I was a super eager student um, and Decker was the one I wanted to learn from the most. Yeah. And so I did what it took to put myself um, in his space at every opportunity. <laughs> and then, and then, and then other staff would be like, "How'd you get in his circle again?" <laughs> I guess my learning process matters to me more than being totally fair in this case, or yeah. Oh, I was exercising more agency because nobody was fighting me for that spot. They just didn't even know it was an option to just like sort of sneak in. <laughs> oh, how is it that Decker keeps having two ACLs in his circle instead of one? And the second one keeps being Levin. Like, <laughs> nobody ever thought, nobody ever said, at least as I know, like, oh, I could do that too. I'm going to sneak into his circles too because yeah. if I'm showing up here volunteering, I'm going to make the most of my learning opportunities. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I'm going to shut the door. I think there's noise coming in my door. Hold okay. on. Yeah, that's helpful. We didn't talk about my arms at all. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who can't see Josh, he recently broke both of his arms in a circling related accident 
not a circling related accent. Very loosely circling related. Yeah, I, I unexpectedly and and still don't quite understand how I did this, but I fell forward. Um, as I was walking out a set of doors, I fell forward and caught myself before I landed face down. And there was enough force in the fall that both of my arms broke near uh, the Ooh. forearm bone near my elbow. Ooh. This is the second time I'm hearing that and it's still like, <laughs> oh, it still feels good. <laughs> feels awful to hear. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think I think circling is helpful for me right now. You know, I, I mentioned these principles before, this assume nothing and welcome everything. I I think of assume nothing as really an open mind. Mm. An open mind um that is aware exquisitely aware of its limitations. The, the conscious mind knows how little it actually knows. And there's freedom in that. Assume nothing. And then I think of welcome everything as an open heart, a conscious open-heartedness that is willing and able to include everything, everything in myself, everything in other people, and extend care compassion or at least curiosity um and so here i am with the opportunity every moment right now to not assume anything about the future based on the present and to continue to welcome this experience and not like it's a better thing to do, not like it's a good or bad or right or wrong to welcome something or not, but that directly experientially, it's really in my, in my favor to lean into this acceptance, this willingness to say yes to whatever's happening in my experience, because the alternative is, is suffering to reject and resist and deny, avoid all of that is more suffering than accepting. So I've, I, I knew those principles before circling. Um, and circling has really deepened and anchored those perspectives, uh, very much in me. And I'm grateful for that. Cause sir, I mean, circling is great on its own, but, that's not the primary value that I see is because, because most people, how many, how many, what's the percentage of even frequent circlers that they spend of their waking hours in a circle? Yeah. Relatively few. That leaves the rest of our lives to, to do what we will with them, but, but we can apply the principles into our, our entire life, not just in our circle. Like our circle is our dojo where we practice. Yeah. We practice all the component skills all in one, and it's this beautiful dance. And then we can take the dance and kind of um, tease out the components, the individual components again, and apply them into our life um, as they fit. Yeah. 
So big practice here of assume nothing and welcome everything. Like, like most minutes of most hours of every day right now. I was thinking about this recently. You talk about, um, you know, the formal practice of circling being, being a dojo. And the question to me has been recently, like, what is, what is the purpose? Like, why do we do this formal practice? And I think for a while I was getting caught up in the practice itself. I was getting caught up in doing the practice for the sake of doing the practice or Which isn't necessarily a bad thing because like there's a lot of really cool shit that that can arise from like sitting down with a group of people who are um, trained or 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 averse in um, versed in these principles and having that kind of a deep conversation where you know we discover we discover things about ourselves about each other. Um, but it was I was thinking recently about sort of the same sort of thing like. I wonder if this is actually more about what what it does to us when we're not formally practicing. Yeah. Yeah, I think both are incredibly valuable. Um, people have life-changing experiences in the role of the circle E on a regular basis. And people who are in the role of the circler or even just sitting in the circle as a participant, you know, undeniably powerful, valuable experiences happen in, in every role that persist beyond just the circle. And then simultaneously there's profound shifts in our ability to communicate, to relate, to love ourselves, to, get in touch with and own our desires. I mean, each of those is a huge, huge territory that can be affected and enhanced by this dojo, this occasional dojo of circling. I'm sitting here reflecting, sitting across from you and like, attached desirous of the flow in our conversation <laughs> and and like having like little moments of like oh we i think we're in flow now i think and then and then just for some reason like feeling feeling that kind of like 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 my my grasp on it is kind of fleeting hmm. so the flow comes and goes for you and and you you have a, a preference for the flow. A much, yeah, yeah. I have a strong preference for the flow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm appreciating the way that you're revealing your your momentary, or your in the moment experience in the in the seat that you're in as the interviewer. As you probably know, that's so rare. You know, probably doesn't happen much outside of. Uh, AR practitioners to to be in a very formal role. I am interviewing you, and then in the middle of it to say, as the interviewer, I really don't know what to do right 
(laughs) For me, that's such a beautiful, lovely, like yummy thing for someone to say, for you to say, and so rare. And again, I only see that happening in the air. I mean, could you imagine Oprah or (laughs) or, uh, Ellen or any of the popular talk show people sitting there going, huh? I'm enjoying my time with you up here on my stage, and uh, I really don't know what to ask you next. Huh. Like, yeah. you're not even allowed to have any silence. You yeah. know? Any silence is bad when you have an audience of people, apparently, who have relatively short attention spans at this <laughs> point in time. Do not want dead, dead airspace, right? Dead mm. space. Mm. That's like the evil thing. It's funny because it's it's exactly what I teach people. I I work with people, um, a lot of people who have already you know been taught how to circle, and they're they know how to do it, but they haven't quite found their own groove yet. And one of the big things that comes up for people is is kind of what's been happening for me. It's like this like this being in this place of like I don't know what to do next. And yeah. that's not okay. Yeah. That is one of the central um, things that comes up for most people. That apparently, yeah, for most people is a, is a common factor, a common feature of the curriculum of circling. What do I do when I have this very common experience of I don't know what to do? <laughs> especially as I'm learning a whole new skill set and I'm really clunky and I'm trying to do it right. And I care about the person in front of me and all that. Hmm. And the the main thing that we teach, the main thing I teach is exactly what you're doing. Just reveal, reveal reveal that. Reveal that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm appreciating that lesson. And I'm appreciating being humbled to be in that position myself with you right now. <laughs> and I'm appreciating how, um, I, ironically, but, um, not, shouldn't be surprising to me, but it's kind of is. Um, it's actually allowing me to tap more into my flow. Mm. I'm curious if you're f- having this experience in a way different from the other interviews that you've had. It Meaning is. like, yeah. is there, there's apparently less flow here. There's more um, silence yeah. with you not sure where you want to go. Do you have any sense of what's creating that? What's different here than... In the other interviews? Yeah. Oh, this is so interesting. So I'm going to try and be as transparent as possible. Um, so I've been, I've been watching myself as I've been relating with you. And I, I notice the part of myself that wants to put it on you. I notice yeah. the part of myself that's like, oh, Josh is, um, Josh isn't in flow or, or he's going through, you know, he just broke his arm. So he's probably not in a, in a very flowy place. Or, um, or something. 
and then the the other side of it is like I could I could put it on myself being like, well, I'm I'm not in as good of a place as I normally am, and we haven't spoken in a long time, and you know I'm in a new environment, or or I haven't done this in a long time. It's been a couple months since I've done one of these interviews. So it's yeah. like there's a part of me that's looking for um like something to blame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um I, I just chuckle because I the part of me can just see how ridiculous that is. Um I I think when I hear that I think about blame. You know, blame blame seems to come after I'm having an experience that I don't like. I don't usually blame people for my happy experiences. <laughs> Not usually. <laughs> I, I appreciate, we use words like appreciate them or yeah. um, feel grateful towards them or thankful. We don't ever say like, I had a great day and it's fucking Stein's fault that I had a great day. <laughs> we don't say that because hmm. we like the good day. <laughs> so blame really requires that I be saying, no to my experience and that I'd be holding a, a, a preference for something else. Yeah. So that's the first thing I think to notice for, for me when I'm experiencing blame or, or anger towards somebody is that before that happens, how am I relating to the experience that I'm happy that's, that's happening? Yeah. Um, not that I wouldn't want to tell someone I'm angry and not that I wouldn't want them to be different in some way. Those are okay too. And, but primarily I, I want to look at how I'm relating to my experience such that I would even be able to go into the next movement of blaming somebody. Yeah. It's very, it's and very quiet and, and insidious for me. Like I, I can't even really recognize it as blame until sort of after the fact. Yeah. And then the other piece that came up for me is that you were saying uh, initially the movement was to put it on me. Mm -hmm. Then the second movement was to put it on you. And I feel really open to that. It could be all me or all you. I think those are possibilities, but for me, those are really unlikely. I, my default <laughs> belief is that every interaction is a, is a co-creation and, People are impacting each other. People are um, invoking certain things in each other. People are inhibiting other. You know, it's this amazing invisible system when two people come together and put their attention on each other and themselves in a conversation or a dialogue or a dance or an exploration. And we start together generating this shared experience. And I think it, Usually it's going to be a combination of the two of us. Yeah. Mm, I'm really glad this is coming up. So take, take that, put that in your flow and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. I'm just, um, just when, just when we start to get into flow, um, I just noticed that we are, we're 10 minutes past the hour. I wish we had more time now. At least if we could stay in flow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's in flow, it's okay. <laughs> 
but it's um I'm really um I'm leaving really grateful for the opportunity to kind of see my own blind spot around the places where I I have an experience with another person and, and it's very quietly not okay and very quietly a no to the experience. And seeing that actually for me that's less of a disappointment and more of uh, oh like like I get excited about the opportunity about like oh there's there's an opportunity for me to welcome even more in my experience to be with even more to be more intimate with myself as I'm with another and to be and to allow that to have me be more intimate with another person nice I like that just wishing I could have had that that revelation before we started this conversation or earlier on I would add just to name one of the highlights for me here is the gentleness, the piece that you named about gentleness. Um, I would want to, I want to bring that back and just say for you or for anybody again, who's like, Oh, so I want to change in this way, or I can see that this other thought pattern or behavior pattern would be more, you know, more in alignment with a life that is happy and fun and feels good and all that. That even as we're we're aspiring to those kinds of changes, that we bring gentleness mm-hmm. along the way. Because mm. how easy it is to, oh, great! I I'm so happy to see that blind spot, so I can work on it. And now I'm really frustrated and hard on myself about, you know, working on it at a certain pace and at a certain um, frequency, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So um, the gentleness piece I find to be so helpful. Yeah. Actually, actually helpful to actually learning and integrating something new. I find gentleness more than harshness to usually be helpful. Yeah. To me, that highlights two things, and I promise I will wind down. Um, but one is seeing the gentleness kind of in contrast to, um, just looking back retrospectively, a way in which I was forcing, I was, I was trying to push or force to get to the, God, this is so, this is like, this is so holographic or, or it's so weird because I work with people on the same sorts of things. <laughs> Place where I get hung up on trying to get over there, trying yeah. to get somewhere else because this isn't, this isn't it. So seeing myself do that and seeing the place where I'm, where I'm actually forcing in contrast to gentleness. And then the other thing is just reflecting on, you know, talking about circling. One of the biggest gifts that I've received from circling is what you call it, the integral center, welcome everything, what you spoke to earlier of, of having an open heart, being open to um, whatever's happening, whatever I'm experiencing, bringing um, loving might be another word for it, mm-hmm. radical acceptance mm-hmm. um, has been profound for me in my life. And while there's ways in which I still struggle to bring some of the, um, some of the specific skills of circling, especially like, you know, um, with my family or in, in social situations, I, you know, there's ways that I, I even struggle and I teach circling. Um, sure. the radical acceptance has been a principle that has permeated in my life and, and really improved the quality of, of every facet of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm appreciating having your gentleness be a, um, a reminder of that. 
Thank you. I like it too. <laughs> and uh, I, my, I caught this moment where you said I, I still have challenges around s- social experiences or family experiences, even though I'm ter- teaching circling. And to me, those are not mutually exclusive at all. Uh, <laughs> I don't have it that being a circling teacher or being a teacher of anything means that I'm 100% perfect in that domain. My five wing, just to bring in the Enneagram a little bit, my five wing <laughs> for years had it that way. Like I have to be an absolute expert before I can do anything publicly. And part of my leadership history at the Interval Center has been a dismantling of that. That leadership does not mean perfection. Mm. It does not mean omniscience. It doesn't mean anything other than... Uh, I want to be having an experience of leadership and other people are for whatever reason, acquiescing to be led by me. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. Whether <laughs> that's based on sound reasoning on their part or not. Yeah. We have an agreement that I will be in the role of leader. And hopefully that means I have something valuable to offer. Theoretical, experiential, personal, all of the above. But it certainly doesn't mean that I've completely I've achieved any sort of perfection. Yeah. And that, that reminds me again of just the value of like, we talked about circling as a practice. Yes. Practice, practice, practice. It's, it's, it's not like sort of that. It is something that we can just keep returning to and that we can keep deepening and growing in and be in practicing that, that humility and that unassumptiveness and, just welcoming what's here. It, it's all part of it. Indeed. Yeah. So if someone's listening to this and they want to get in touch with you or they want to learn more about what you're doing or if they want to learn more about the Integral Center, um, what would you what would you tell them? Uh, I would say find me on Facebook. That's probably the easiest way and the, the way that most people... I'm thinking most of your audience is on Facebook. So yeah, find me there, Josh Levin, and um, go from there. Okay. Send me a private message. So I have enjoyed this time with you. Thanks for um, inviting me to do this with you. It's been my pleasure. More and more my pleasure as we got towards the end, (laughs) towards the flow. I'm really appreciating um, sticking sticking in it with you through this time and um, appreciating not only you taking the time to be here, especially given your your injury. I'm, I'm really glad we got to talk and where we went with this and there will, I think I can definitely turn this into a, a, a podcast. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, so thanks for listening. I would love to hear your comments or takeaways from this episode. Um, So if you have anything to say, um, or even if you're left with a question, post something in the comments section wherever you saw this podcast, whether it was on Facebook or on my site, or uh, even send me a private message um, via my website. As the other Josh said, you can find him on Facebook. His profile is facebook.com forward slash Joshua L-E-V. 
And if you like my vibe, check out my Facebook group where I sometimes too often will host free events and post interesting circling related content, including, but not limited to these podcast episodes. Just search Circling Wizardry Community on Facebook, and I'm sure you'll find it. I also share most of this stuff on my email list, which you can find at circlingwizardry.com slash newsletter. That's all I can think of for now. So until next time, take care.